2: Welcome in the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here on the fan. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer along with Dwight Albright And uh, again, we will have Phil Brilo uh, live from Japan coming up here uh, in just a matter of moments. I talked to him on my way in and he said that he was about to catch a train. So if he got on that train soon enough, he would just text me when he gets off the train and then uh, we will try and get him uh, last night in Japan. We'll find out what happened. On the Extra Frame uh, tournament special over there in Japan, I saw pictures, uh, Dwight, of uh, all the different foods they were eating. Phil was posting stuff and uh, all the different places they were going. I've never been to Japan.
3: It looks like a lot of fun to me. Well, I was just going to say it has to be a great experience for him or any of the guys that are going over there. I I, I think the farthest I ever was away was Montreal. Oh, Canada. Yeah. I've never done that either. Okay. No, furthest away I've been is Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's... Someday, I'm hoping.
2: Yeah, that's that's the... I'm not, I don't want to go back. I have no Either interest don't in going back to Hawaii. I've been there, like... I've been blessed. I've been there three times. Yeah, I have no interest in going back. None mm. whatsoever. Now, and now, again, I was younger, obviously, back in the day. I was a, a child mm-hmm. back in the day, all three times that I, I got to go with my parents. uh, But, yeah, I just... I mean, Oahu uh, is Chicago, pretty much. You just sit in a traffic jam... Waikiki Beach, you're sitting in a traffic jam, looking. Oh, look, all those people on that beach, and you're not moving. You're just sitting there, taking forever. Pearl Harbor, it's worth going to see Pearl Harbor. That's an awesome event. Uh, Maui uh, was getting to be where Oahu was last time I was there, and I'm guessing it probably is there by this point. By the time they've expanded as much as they've had, I guess if I were to go back, like the Big Island of Kauai, I think still isn't commercialized nearly as much as the other two, so that might be more worth it.
3: Well, they they continue in uh, in Japan the uh, to use the same bowling you know, alleys, correct? For this tournament every year, I think it's, so. And it's Tokyo, I'm assuming. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, um, okay. I, I'm not sure for I'm not positive for sure, but we'll ask uh, Phil
2: Brallo when he calls in. Uh, Dwight, you have decided to infiltrate the studios this week in place of <laughs> Phil uh, with not one but two guys. Eventually, the other one's not here yet. But we started early. Uh, if, yes. if you're listening, we, we started way early. Uh, after faith in the zone, I got an early. Uh, I, Mick Givern had somewhere to be, church
3: probably. Uh, what? Uh, who, who joins us now? Well, right now in the studio, both of the guys actually don't even need an introduction because they've done they everything. They do because
2: nobody can see them.
3: <laughs> okay, well at least we we'll go that way. <laughs> but uh, obviously, I I I think we would need need an hour between Joe and Gus to obviously just hear their cref, uh, credentials well, we on what they all have done in town. But uh, Joe Natoli is joining us. And and he looks like a Joe Natoli. You've never seen what, Joe Natoli. Right. And yeah. then Gus Yonaris, Um I don't know what a is
2: supposed to look like, so I, I'll <laughs> yeah. find out when I see him.
3: Heavy? Would you consider heavy Greek? Uh, Greek gangster look. Right. Greek gangster look. <laughs> Boy, you two walking
2: into a place. That. It's got to be an interesting <laughs> reaction from people. Well, you two all walking together. Uh, oh, oh, Okay, so why are they both here this week?
3: Well, Joel, uh at, at, contacted me a couple of weeks ago, and... and uh, Messaged me about uh, he would like to come on the radio. Gus obviously uh, talked to, to me over the summer, over the Hall of Fame meetings, and uh, asked if we could have him on too uh, to talk. And just to, these guys are the, well, in their prime, were probably the top in the state and in the country, obviously. Um, I competed against both of them. Um, when so this I was, was in back in my like prime. black and white days. Well, then. there's yeah, black and white days. <laughs> but white the problem days, is yeah. they're still doing it, and I'm not. <laughs>
2: well, physically, you got you got handled. That uh, that was the end of you physically, right, right. exactly.
3: Yeah. But uh no, they're still at a very high level, and and Gus is a national champion. Uh, Joe, have you ever won an eagle?
0: Thanks for bringing that up. No, <laughs> wow, <laughs> nice. Several top fives, but never won Right.
2: That's so. I mean, I, I guess I guess my question, I have, I have lots of them because I knew you were coming in. Um, so from this perspective, so when you look at the state of bowling, because um, I think you three would be a good good guy to talk to about this, because um, I think you three would be a good, good guy to talk to about this, um, the state of bowling in Wisconsin, um, southeastern Wisconsin, I guess maybe as much as it is the rest of the state. Give me an idea it, through your eyes how it's changed and transitioned from when you started bowling um, to kind of where we are today now.
0: Well, that's a heck of a discussion right there. Mm-hmm. I think it all goes back to uh, to scoring conditions, lane conditions, I think. Uh, used to be tougher, I think. Uh, there was a point in time when uh, the proprietors, the, the honor score system was too subjective. They used to send people out to inspect scores and then approve. For tournaments them. and stuff, right? Yeah, tournaments. Ravens, scores, all yeah. the whole deal. Yep. And then the proprietors, and I can't blame them for this, wanted something easier they wanted to take some of the subjectivity out of it, so that's when short oil started. Yeah. And uh, ABC said you couldn't block a lane with short oil, and that turned out to be right. not accurate. You could, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I think it goes back to their uh, a lot of team bowling back then. Uh, not as much now. Yes, uh, association is trying to to uh, bring that back at a higher level, at every level really, but at the higher level as well. So uh, but it's it's certainly not dead. It's it's uh, it's just evolving. What about um, the,
2: the people themselves uh, that are out there bowling now versus where it was uh, when you were a kid versus when you went through high school and college and then to where you are now? Uh
0: Bowling now is in high school, the in-school bowling program. In college, you can get scholarships. Back then, it was a little tougher. You could do it, but there weren't as many. I Wichita State comes to mind. That was mm-hmm. a big hotbed back then. But now, because it's uh, the in-school bowling program is in high school and in college, uh, you have some tremendous young players. Uh, I mean, our, you know the Hibbard family. Oh, yeah, they've fantastic. been in here. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's it's on the upswing, in my opinion, because of uh, the history because of the school the school involvement.
2: See, for me, and I don't know where you guys are at on this, but for me, I think there was a stereotype attached to bowling for a long time. Um, I don't know if it was around the whole country. I mean, you you see the movie, so I guess maybe it wasn't around the whole country as much as it was here. You know you go to the bowling alley, you got the cigarettes out, you're <laughs> drinking, you're boozing. You're smoking cigarettes, having a good time. You're playing cards with, you know, regular cards yep. or nudie cards or whatever yep. you may have for your guys' team, uh, and you're partying, and that that's what it is. And you're, you know, it's a it's an escape from your wife or whatever the case may be. And then they had the women's leagues and got away from the guys. That that's kind of what it was. And then there were those that were really competitive, but there was yep. a bunch of guys that were kind of like their kinship, their friendship. That's kind of what they did. Um, and then, when the winter was done, those same Yahoos went onto the golf course, played golf all summer long, and then transitioned back into the bowling alley. Do we see that same type of kinship and friendship, where you're seeing the same guys in the same leagues for that many years together? And Dwight's shaking his head already.
3: No, I, I, I don't, I don't. Um, one of the greatest leagues, I believe, Joe, I and Gus were a part of, was originally started as the Coors Light All Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and a great sponsorship and went off to Corbell, too, and uh, and then Red Carpet and, and ARC. Did you say Corbell? Yep. <laughs> the Brandy? Yeah. Yep. The Brandy was your sponsor?
0: Yep. Brandy yep. and beer.
3: Yep. And, <sighs> and this day with
2: Corbell, oh, my God. And it
3: actually was a league that you were actually asked to join um, by right. your peers. Sure. Right.
0: Yeah. That's true. That was a great league. Uh, to Sparky's point, I, I think you still do have some of that. Uh, some of the names have changed, but uh, I can think of 10 guys right now that bowl together all the time that, that do the what you just said. They go really? golfing yep. and then they come back and they bowl again. So that's still around. Uh, and there's another tournament, t- speaking of the youth and and I guess what we can look forward to in the sport of bowling, there's a... Shannon Lubinsky started a tournament. She's, she does a great tournament. Yeah, yep. She's been in I here mean, multiple times. Yep. They fill uh, the bowling center with uh, youth teams, and that has helped as well. So.
2: What about that from, from that 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 perspective, Joe? Um, Tom and Joe Dittoli here uh, on the fan. From when you, like, you were growing up bowling as a kid, mm-hmm. as far as how youth leagues were then versus what you see now.
0: Uh, back when I was growing up, it was called AJBC. And it was huge. We had tournaments. Uh, the, the, you had city tournaments and state tournaments, and you qualified for that just like you do today. Uh, so that really hasn't changed that much. The names have changed. The organization has changed. It went from AJBC then to uh, – to uh, I just went blank. But, That's okay. Uh, it's not
2: important. But,
0: but, but the, this- a Y-A-B-A. Y-A-B-A, thank you. Right.
2: That's what it was when I was born was Y-A-B-A. Yep. But th- this is for me something. And, and again, I don't, I mean, I've got a, a, a baby at home that's going to turn two next month. So I haven't got to this point yet. But when I grew up, and Chuck Weiss, who was in here last year, the Tremper girls coach, we all grew up yep. bowling together. Yep. Um, We had coaches that were on the lanes during our leagues every week, the same two or three coaches that would walk around lane to lane and help everybody get better and so forth.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And that, I think, was a huge help. Now, do you still have that now in these youth leagues where you have coaches on the lanes with the different leagues on Saturday mornings doing that?
3: Some some, some of the do, centers, yeah. yes. Um, I know, um, uh,
0: you have the coaching program too the gold, silver, bronze coaching correct. program.
3: I know that, um, Village Bowl has one. Neil, uh, Koshiak was one of the probably the best, and unfortunately, he passed away a couple years ago. But he kind of did everything for the kids for, for that program out of Menominee Falls now. I believe it's three or four different pair of parents are actually taking over what that one man did. That's good, did. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did it all. Yep. Um, so, uh, well respected in the area for, for development of youth bowling and getting coaches on the lanes. Um, right. A lot of the centers are having uh, volunteers come in, uh, parents to come in and work with the kids a little bit. Um, we had that when we were growing up at Bolero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's had, interesting because, in like, coaches. I go back
2: and I. I Again, I'm just telling you what I know so you all can jump in and tell me <laughs> uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, or how different it may be. So I'm going back down to K-Town now, right, mm-hmm. to Sheridan Lanes where I grew up bowling for all those years. And uh, We had Griff, uh, you know, who was there, Griff Perry, who was there overseeing all of us all the, for all those years. We grew up with Griff. He'd be the guy you'd see on Saturday mornings. You'd walk in, get to your shoes, yep. or whatever, watch him warm up. Um, so you had all of those guys. But to me now – maybe i'm I'm crazy, but like all those guys that were there are either still there. and then the guys that came up with me are all now giving back and now they're there, and they're kind of helping out. I mean, that that seems to me to been to be a family that has all kind of stayed together for that bowling center and helped now the youth of today and so forth in, in doing different things. Is that more common or is that more rare? to see that type of longevity in a bowling house with pretty much the same
0: people there year to year. Sometimes it depends. Uh, I know uh, I I go back to Brown Deer Lanes where I grew up and we had the same thing you had. You walked in, it was the same people. They volunteered their time, Uh, their kids probably bowled. And uh, it, it was, I think, less structured then than it is now, which is good. Right. Yeah, I think it's better now, but, uh, and it's all cyclical. It's going to, you know, there's ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And I think we're on an upswing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, see in, again, I'm just talking, obviously from my perspective, I
2: think there's a lot to be said with that because if you're a parent and you have your kids and it's the same group of people that you know and trust every year, it makes it easier to sign them back up for bowling the next year because I know who the coaches are going to be. I know who's going to be running the counter. I kind of know my surroundings all the way around. I know it's going to be kind of much, pretty much the same group of kids. And we talked about this in the past too, where you know when you have open bowling, which is a yep. big deal nowadays, obviously. And I've got an article up here from the Journal Sentinel today. I don't know if y'all have seen it yet yep. uh, about uh, Rod One Entertainment coming to to uh, Southridge and get into that a little bit. But when you have open bowling, like. On a Sunday afternoon, that's a perfect time for open bowling or a Sunday morning, right? And you have the families out there. I mean, those, if you see kids that are bowling with their parents, there should just be, and again, just flyers sitting underneath the counter. And if there's high schoolers working in the counter, whoever it is, hey, listen. If we have bowlers out there or whatever, I want you at some point, either when they return their shoes or while they're bowling, walk down there and give them a flyer for our youth leagues. Tell them that they can sign up and then make the youth leagues shorter in size. So instead of making the youth league from you know, September till April or whatever it is, make it a, a fall winter session and then a spring session. So it gives you a second chance to get new kids in on that second level. And I I don't know if that necessarily happens. I've been up and a bunch and bunch of different know. bowling centers in the last couple of years with uh, the two boys and they're 11 and 13. I've never been approached by anybody at any bowling center uh, about youth bowling or anything else ever, never, not one time. And I think that's a missed opportunity because that's- I can bring up the conversation, but if somebody there knows something or another about the youth leagues and how it works and all that, maybe you could change their minds.
3: Well, that's exactly what New Berlin Bowl does. We have actually um, a shift uh, that goes from August to December and then a little bit of a break, a couple-week break, and then they have a second half of the year where they restart up all over again. So just what you were talking about. I agree with you. That's actually—I don't know about Gus, but that's actually how my brother and I got started. Was the parents took us at about five, six years old to your parents bowled? Both of them bowled recreationally. Joe, correct. What about you? No,
0: my uncle. Your uncle? Yeah. How did that all happen? He, my dad. Huge sports fan. Didn't play a lot of sports because when he was uh, 20-some years old, he was in a car accident. He okay. was a full body cast. Oh, my goodness. Uh So my uncle was uh, very active in golf and bowling, and he's the one that actually started me. I think I was around. I so he'd
2: know, come right. over and get you on Saturday mornings and take you or whatever morning yeah. it was. A-
0: Sunday you morning. Bowl- Sunday
2: mornings, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's- I mean, that that is amazing. Um So then was he kind of like your like coach and all of that stuff, too, that kind of went along with it?
0: Yeah, I I was lucky. I'm not bragging. I was just lucky. I was naturally good at it. He said, stand here, throw it there, and I did, and it worked. That easily? That easily. And then the finer points I learned later from – we we lived two blocks from Browner Lanes. Jerry Stars owned the bowling center, still lives above the center. And uh, then he started – and he was a very good bowler. He's in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And he started giving me the finer points – And from there, I elevated to more experts, I guess, and then went on the tour eventually.
2: That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, all, all right, we're gonna take a quick time. out. will go is is in here. They did a horrible job of describing you. I don't. I, I, I don't. Gangster's think, here. Yeah, man, I don't think you look so like a Greek, Greek gangster, gangster. Doesn't man. do it. No, man. I, I was not expecting what he looks like. I was expecting something totally different than what I saw when he walked into like like the door. More like
1: Tony North. Soprano look.
2: Maybe that's that right. Maybe, maybe towards that look. That's probably a better look. Take a quick time. I'll come back. Castlevania's spare time bowling show here on the fan. We'll check with Phil Brilo in a couple minutes as well. Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fan. Don't forget, open bowling at Castle Lanes right now. Unlimited bowling, 695 from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Castle Lanes, Highway 31 in Racine. Got that uh, log house feel on the inside. Phil Anko and his uh, group do a great job down there. Great customer service, great bar area. Uh, Just a, a phenomenal place. Your kids will love it. Castle Lane's Racing again, $6.95 per person, includes shoe rentals. Shoe rentals are free with this. An unlimited bowling for three hours from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Sunday at Castle Lane's in Racing. All right, Dwight Albert is here. I just uh, was texting back with Phil Brilo in Japan. He'll join us uh, coming up uh, in about 20 minutes from right now to give us an idea of what happened last night in the extra frame tournament over in Japan. In studio uh, is Gus Yonaris, Yonaris. Yes. All right, good. Uh, and uh, Joe <laughs> Natoli uh, joining us as well. So there were items on the docket that needed to be covered, so I want to get those out of the way first so I can get into talking about some of the other stuff that I kind of
3: wanted to bring up as well. So, Dwight, the floor is yours. Well, and I'm going to run this past both Joe and Gus, seeing that they were both on it. But over the summer, uh, Sparky, our USBC, for years now, I don't know how many years, I was just asking my wife this last night, when the delegates go to their annual meeting um Chad Murphy and USBC has been trying to pass this merger merger is basically local associations streamlining if you want to call it that's what i call it a streamlining so joe's here to kind of give a little insight on in what's the merger going on in town and and then i have a few questions for him regarding like other associations across the state
1: well i suppose i'll let joe take this over cuz seeing as he's part of the new association um my two bits is I, it's a great idea. I mean, why not consolidate most of the the associations? Um, you know, more minds are, uh, thinking about what's best for bowling now and in the future. Um, and I know our association does a great job running tournaments and stuff. So, um, I'm happy about the association at times. There's a, a few things I don't necessarily agree with, but, uh, I know they have bowling, um, the best interests in their hearts when it comes to trying to to bring the sport in the future, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I agree, and it took a long time
0: for that to happen, as yes, you guys know. Yeah. And uh, the association does do a great job. They do have the best interest of the bowlers in mind. They get a bad rap sometimes. I am on the new board. I'm not talking about myself. But these other men and women, they volunteer their time. And there's a lot of tournaments. They're there every weekend for the bowlers running the tournaments. Uh, Is it perfect? No. But then it wouldn't be any fun trying to fix it either. Uh, (laughs) So uh, the merger happened, and Milwaukee merged with the Tri City Association. The women had merged previously. Now the men and the women merged. And that's where the. And then USBC merged as well uh, when they had the youth organizations and ABC and WIBC. And so they wanted, uh, and it's a good idea. As Gus mentioned, you're not, uh, because of the overlap in services. Uh, So you consolidate, you have less associations, it's easier to manage, and uh, in the long run, it's better for the bowlers. So what became of that then was the merger of the Halls of Fame. And uh, so that's where we've had some discussion back and forth. The association uh, came up with a committee, which I'm the chairman. I'm also the president of the Milwaukee Bowling Hall of Fame. So uh, it's been a quite of 18 months to, to bring those together.
2: Okay. So I'm not a big fan of this Chad Murphy guy to begin with, but um, you all seem to like what he wants to do, which is fine. So when you start talking about combining Hall of Fames, yeah. so what's that discussion like? Is that discussion like, well, that person's in yours, but he's not in ours. So now we're making one Hall of Fame, so I guess he's in or she is in type deal. Um, obviously, those that are in both, there's no discussion. I mean, is there, is there a, a conversation of who's going to be in this new merged Hall of Fame or who's not? Does everybody have to go read through the process, uh, the qualification process, again, with everybody involved? Or does everybody in both automatically get into the new one?
0: Well, that's, that's a good question because it's men and women. Correct. So – uh, right now, if you are in, you're already in no you know, matter
2: what, you're not going to find yourself not in the new one because no, you're in this new committee decided no, you're, you're, you're good for one, but not for the new one.
0: You're, you're grandfathered in. You're, in, you're okay. in the women's. You're in the women's. Perfect. If you're in the men's, you're in the men's. What they are trying to do is combine the men and women together, together, right? The problem is it's the old Mars Venus thing. The men, the women do, there's different. The men do. theirs different. What's the difference? Uh, the men are governed by their entire membership. So if we want to change a rule, it goes to the entire membership. We have one meeting a year. The women are governed more by a committee of the association. So it's a handful of people as opposed to 70 different people. Sure. See, our
1: Hall of Fame was uh, started in 1962. So we're 50 plus years um, that we've been around. And they set a standard as far as bylaws and everything else, um, voting procedures, and we want to keep it intact. Uh, I feel, you know, that's what our forefathers started with this Hall of Fame. And we wanted to make sure that we maintained it, you know, whether it's 10, 20, 50 years, um, so I I take the side of, of wanting to, to separate from the new association to maintain our own Hall of Fame mm-hmm. for that reason. Right. And there's a, a few items that, you know, we didn't, that were brought to our attention. But like Joe said, it's not just one or two people voting. We have our entire membership voting. And they all agree that, you know, we wanted to maintain our status as the Milwaukee Bowling Hall of Fame, the one that was instituted in 1962. So... That's where we stand right now. Um, they made some concessions and wanted to, to try to, to merge us, but we didn't want to give away certain things, um, to reiterate our voting procedures mm-hmm. and, and the way we conduct, where our money goes, uh, our banquet facilities. It's just, um, and it's not just, you know, a few of us. There's, you know, 50-plus members, and we voted on it, and and we wanted to keep it the same. Okay, so what's the next step then?
0: The next step is, uh, as far as the association is concerned, is they are moving forward with uh, possibly another Hall of Fame with men and women combined. Sounds like a logical way to do it. And yep. then there would possibly be two different Halls of Fames.
2: Can I ask you a question? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm,
0: I mean, I'm, I'm really not
2: up to date on this. <laughs> many people that I have found over the course of time doing this show with Dwight don't even really like bowling, but listen, because they think we're funny. Um So uh, I'm going to try and help everybody out here. So you have your Bowling Hall of Fame, right? All these guys
0: are in the Bowling Hall of Fame.
1: Yes.
2: Where can I see them?
0: Where can you – what do you mean? Where can I see
2: who's in the Bowling Hall of Fame?
0: On the uh, – for now, on the association website. Okay, the guy's making to make a suggestion here.
1: Or stop at any tournament. You'll see a bunch of Hall (laughs) of (laughs) Famers. Right,
0: exactly right, yes,
2: (laughs) right. Um, But I I think if – if there's going to be a new Hall of Fame per se or whatever the case may be, I think it would be cool uh, to have something somewhere, wherever that may be, um, to signify who all is in one way or the other. Because I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why. I, I think one of the reasons why is, for instance, for me, okay? So like I said, I got a, t- a soon-to-be two-year-old at home, right? So when he's growing up, he's bowling or whatever, it would be cool. You know, if I could take him over and be like, "Yep, used to bowl against that guy." You know, he's he's one of the best. You know, I could get you in touch with him, and that guy does a show with me, radio show with me. Uh, he's trying to get in the radio hall of fame now, Dwight. And then you know, you <laughs> you kind of you go down the list, and you can tell stories and whatever. And if it's not me, maybe it's his grandpa talking about guys that he bowled with or whatever. And you have that, or I want to be there on that wall. I want to be on that board. I want to be wherever now. You know who gets it? I don't think you have to go out of your way to go. You know, get a storefront or something and and make it all fancy dancy and all that stuff. But just somewhere where it's displayed in a bowling center somewhere mm-hmm. where you can get. It. I mean, Bolero seemingly has been the hub for all the old schoolers for a long time. It seems like, um, and now they just did their whole transformation. So I don't know if, if that's the place or if it's somewhere else. But I just think there has to be somewhere where it's displayed, where people know, I know I'm going to go over there, Golden bowling, I'm going to show my kid that that wall of Hall of Famers.
3: I know that Polaro has a, a nice little display window, or they used to at they least before to. the remodel. took it down. took it down. Yeah, right. Uh, right behind lanes 25 to 28 that actually had the, all the Hall of Fame members on a plaque, all their names. Yep. I know that Riviera right down the street on 84th and yep. Greenfield, actually I believe behind lanes 5 and 6 has the same plaque with all the Hall of Fame's names on it. My daughter was there for a tournament last year, and I did just what you did. I said there's your dad's name up there on that Hall of Fame plaque. So some of the proprietors in town do have that up there. Um, There was also talk years ago about trying to get it at uh, Miller Park, too.
0: Well, and that's still a consideration. And you're right, Bolero had it. We had the displays, a picture of everyone that was in the Hall of Fame, going back to the beginning. They're now sitting in my basement, and we're looking for a place to display them. Anybody listening has an idea. I'd be more than happy to hear that idea. Uh, We talked about possibly getting it at the airport. A little display there. Uh, So we have talked about it. It hasn't happened. It's a great idea. It's a wish of all of ours, really. I know the past presidents like Gus and Bob Greenfield and Hank Jr. and myself, uh, that's what we're striving to do. We just haven't found it yet.
1: We wanted to get some notoriety, so that's where the plaques came. And most, Most of the proprietors bought plaques. And every three or four years, with the addition of the new inductees, we prominently display them in most of the centers. So if you go into one of the centers, you may see that. Now, most of the independent uh, Boeing proprietors purchase these things. Um, We replace the the names for free every three or four years. Um, But that's the only notoriety we get. It's a
0: plaque. I'd like to have something with, you know. More. Whatever, like the regular hall of fame or the, the national hall of fame has jerseys and balls and Sure. Articles and that sort of thing.
2: The whole deal. I mean, you guys probably don't have balls anymore left as far as you know, bowling balls you bowled with back in 1985.
1: I'm sure those are gone, right? I got one. I saved one. I was going to <laughs> have a yeah, football here, in the basement. man. <laughs> uh, nobody saves one. I'll tell you why. I have two of them in the basement. Yeah, I mean, saved <laughs> my, fir- my first <laughs> national title, 1989, with Gary doroshevsky I still have the ball. That makes sense. That's a national title. And mine, mine was right, 300
0: at the ABC National Tournament in 1983. Oh, <laughs> and you
1: still have, <laughs> still have it. And your wives allow
2: this in the house? <laughs> no.
0: No. <laughs> Oh, being, no. <laughs> being, being single, I can put it anywhere
2: I Oh, want. there you go. Well, there you go. It was, the, it was the bowling ball's fault at the end of the day while he's single. <laughs> hey, uh, okay, so that that's everything you wanted to cover? Is there is there anything more that you guys wanted to get out here while we have you on? Uh we have Phil coming up in about five minutes, so I want to make sure we get whatever
0: else covered covered. Can I mention one thing? Sure. Uh, the association has a golf outing. It's like our 55th year. It's going to be Saturday, July 14th at Western Lakes Golf Club. It's only 75 bucks a person. If you're interested, let me know.
3: Okay. And then I also have something, and Joe obviously knows the date too. If the bowlers out there are, are listening want to join the new association, our annual meeting is going to be Thursday, May 3rd yeah. at 630 at Bolero. You can go to the website. It's ma-usbc.org, O-R-G, and and uh, it's open to any bowler in town if they want to come in and make uh, oh, and make a difference. And we, and we also have
1: uh, the city tournament uh, going on right now in the okay. next uh, two or three weeks. And um, you can pick up any entry blank at the uh, uh, new association up at Bolero. Website? The website you can go to. Um, you enter a team event, you're, up, you're allowed to enter it three times, uh, changing two bowlers, sure. uh, singles, doubles. So The whole deal. Everybody listening,
2: yeah. get out there. Okay, so if, if they want to become a member of this this new group or whatever, how much are they paying and what kind of responsibilities do they have? How many times a year do you guys meet? What all do they have to be a part of? Because, I mean, that's what somebody's going to want to know is how much time commitment do I have to give this?
3: I believe right now there's six openings for directors. That, correct. Yeah, every year. And then, what does that mean? How many times a year do you guys
0: meet? We meet. What kind of uh, a time commitment are we talking about? You meet one Sunday every month. Although now we're not having a meeting for the next three weeks because there's so many tournaments that we have to volunteer sure. for to be at. So it's not a huge time commitment, and one annual meeting. And uh, it's we would love to have some new new people, new ideas.
2: What kind of uh, demographics do we have? Uh, uh, it skews as as older.
0: This? Is it? Yep. Uh, what's, but what's, we have a youth organization as well. That's good. And that has a separate committee also. It has a separate committee, yep. Okay. Um, because that's my other fear in this whole
2: deal is, um, I mean, because I hang out with Dwight, who knows other old guys like y'all. Um, <laughs> but is where the future is going here. I mean, you guys obviously aren't getting any younger. We know the yeah. passion that you have and the love that you have for the sport. But is there that next group coming behind you that's just as passionate, loves the sport just as much,
1: That's going to be able to kind of carry this torch moving forward for the next 50 years. I think there's a gap right now with the people right behind us. Exactly. But behind that gap with uh, the high school bowling and the college bowling, it's taken off. And it's up to, and I know a lot of proprietors offer free bowling to the high schools. Sure. And kudos to them. And it's not just one or two proprietors. It's a a lot of them. Absolutely. And- that's instrumental in in taking bowling forward because we never had that when we were young. We had our junior leagues that were taught by mothers of the bowlers. Now, you know, you have to have certification to become a, a legitimate coach, which is good. Yeah, I agree. Um and that's where where we're headed right now. So, yeah, there is a gap behind us, but behind that gap, I I feel it's going to going to be pretty strong.
3: I have a I struggle on this show every time that we have a high school, college a bowler in here who was into it. Then they get done with that college, and then they don't go off to an adult league. I, I couldn't wait to get out of juniors to, to hit adult leagues and adult tournaments. What for both of you guys? What would you guys send for a message on trying to get that youth into an adult league? Excellent question. That's not yeah. new. Uh, when I
0: worked back at the Bowling Congress, there is and not, now it's I think an electronic gap. There's so many different things vying for your time, like a cell phone, like, exactly. But that's not new. You know, after that, uh, the 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 youth league, you missed out on those kids from about eighteen to twenty-five, and then they came back after that, and they were off doing other things. So that's not exactly new. Hasn't been a real solution for that either, either. Uh, but it's not new. It's it's. Uh, but they do come back. Uh, the the
2: See, again, I, I, and I'm going to interject again because, I, I just think they're. And Tom Clark gets mad at me all the time whenever I do stuff like this, the, the commissioner of the PBA. And I'm okay with him getting mad because they deal with it here at the radio station, too, because I'm always trying to think of different ways to help businesses market themselves, yeah. whatever the case may be. And I'm just going to tell you um, what this radio station did when we started. And we'll get to Phil Brilo in Japan uh, here momentarily. Um, so when this radio station started in 2005, we went from a religious station with nobody listening um and then flip it to a sports talk station, and then try to get ourselves on the map. And now, you know, fast forward from 2005 to today, uh, we're doing pretty good uh, compared to where we were. Now, there's two other sports talk stations uh, in town um, that are still struggling um, to keep themselves afloat and trying to kind of keep up or whatever the case may be. But when we started, and I I got over here to help start this radio station— we decided that we weren't going to rely on marketing dollars and billboards and everything else. We were just going to take it in our own hands and do what we had to do, and take chances.
1: And I, For see, instance, I agree with that too, because that, you got to get the word out. So, so it's right. up to the individuals to Correct. to tell these high school bowlers. And but it wasn't even just bowlers. that.
2: So what we did was we made flyers on my computer uh, here in the radio station, right, promoting our our post game show after Brewers games with Tim Allen and myself, and then a bunch of us staff members took our free time at night, and we would go paper cars at Miller Park's parking lot till they caught us and kicked us out. And then we go back and we do it again. <laughs> and then when they caught on to us, we made this huge banner, and we stood over a bridge over by Miller Park and held on to it as people were driving out reading our banner. That grassroots marketing I know sounds kind of stupid or whatever the case may be, but I, I think – Um, In certain situations, when you're fighting for the entertainment dollar as much as you guys are fighting for it at this point, and you're talking about trying to get younger people that are bar hopping and doing whatever else to try and get them back into your bowling center, I guarantee you, if you go down on Water Street, and God knows I haven't been there for years, but if you go down to Water Street and you probably did a quick survey walking around Water Street of those people that bowled growing up, um, you'd be amazed by how many of those kids probably bowled growing up that aren't bowling anymore, that are going to Marquette and would rather go out drinking or doing whatever else instead of being
1: in a, in a bowling facility. See, and I don't I, know how much this has to play with it. And
2: but- these are kids from all over the country, mind you. This isn't just Milwaukee kids. These are kids from Illinois, Minnesota, wherever they come from right. to go to Marquette. We have kids that intern here from all over the country, but they go to Marquette or they go to Milwaukee or wherever they may go, and then th- they come here, obviously, to do an internship. I, so you're, you, the, the the pool is big, I think of the people that you're trying to grab onto to bring them in. Now, I don't know, again, the years out of college, but when the Brewers and their new ownership group came in, they made a determination. We are getting college kids back in, and we are building a generation of baseball fans. That's what they determined, because they knew that prior to them, there was a huge gap where, like, my age— None of my friends cared about baseball growing up because their parents wouldn't take them because their parents didn't care because the brews were so bad for so long. So they lost tons. So what the brews did? Tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you unbelievable ticket prices and we're gonna send buses to your colleges to pick you up and bring you over to Miller Park and then bring you back over whenever the game is done. They went all out attack with their marketing and everything else, and not like billboards, but just on the campus, of getting them to the games. Letting them experience it, having fun, and then bring them back. You know what happened? Those kids now have been out of school for 10, 15 years and now bringing their kids to baseball games. And now they've built that generation gap and now it's starting to grow. I think bowling is kind of in a situation, and we'll talk about what's coming to Southridge and Brookfield Square Mall. I mean, bowling centers right now are kind of in their own little mini war against everybody else in the entertainment dollar. And to me, it kind of seems like Everybody sitting there with their hands under their legs and going, yeah. well, we'll go back to the 70s and 80s eventually. I'm just going to wait. History will repeat itself. Right. But there's no guarantee that it will. I mean, there's just not. So either we're going to go down swinging or we're just going to sit there and, and wait for somebody to walk through our door. And I think yeah. that's tough. Castle Lanes and racing, they advertise on this station. I'm going to brag a little bit. When we met with Phil Bralo a couple of years ago, he loves bowling. And he just wanted to get on board. So he got on board. So this last year, he wanted to see if it would work year-round instead of just on the Bowling show, but just to make sure his advertising dollar was working. So he came up with this promotion. He said, I'm not advertising it anywhere else except your station. If this pops, it's on you, and I'll give you full credit. If it doesn't work, then obviously it's not working, and i got to figure out what I'm going to do. Fine. Well, it popped. It was unbelievable. He had unbelievable success where he had to kind of modify the promotion a little bit, and he's like, I was all you guys because I wasn't. I didn't do anything anywhere else. I didn't do newspaper. I didn't do anything, just you guys. So it worked. But that's a guy that took a risk, rolled the dice, and said, let's see if it works. Because there's not a lot of bowling centers necessarily advertising on the radio or on TV or whatever the case may be. What's going to happen is, mark my words, these two new people coming into town here, one is from Chicago. They're going to be everywhere. Billboards, mm-hmm. radio, TV. And this other one, they're all over the country. They're going to be everywhere, too. Before, the only ones you saw on TV was Dave and Buster's, but that's not bowling. So that, I mean, you're competing against a free entertainment dollar, yes, but you don't actually see bowling lanes in the commercials or whatever they may have. These two, you're going to see bowling lanes, like I said. Yeah. Go on the Journal Center website. You see a set of bowling lanes. It's not an actual bowling center. It's an entertainment center entertainment, with right. bowling lanes in it that everybody is reading about today. You guys yeah. get down with what I said? Yeah, well,
0: absolutely. You, I Two things. One yeah, maybe a suggest what would you say to go attract these people? You're talking about people going to that center and and saying you should be in a league basically. And what the other I'm thing saying is Phil Anko is a great promoter. Well, and he's on and he he's on hold
2: right now. Always um, has been. But my my deal is this. I say um when you have a bowling center and you're near an entertainment area or whatever the case may be, everybody's going to know my bowling center is right by wherever that is. I mean, if I'm in Tosa and and I love Dave and Buster's, don't get me wrong with my kids, but if I'm near Dave and Buster's in Tosa and I'm Bolero or whoever it may be in that vicinity, like that West Allis, MF West Allis or Mm -hmm. whatever, I have no idea how that thing didn't just run on its own. And all I can say is, and I don't know these people, was horrible management, and they didn't care. And it went the wayside. That was in the biggest traffic area you could possibly find. Yeah. I drove by that thing all the time, and I saw empty lanes. I've bowled there. I went there, and I have opened bowled before and so forth. I lived in West Dallas, But there is no reason when you have all those businesses around Highway 100. If I ran AMF West Allis, I'd be going around all the businesses going, hey, look. We want you to come down and bowl and check it out. and Because you work here in this business, we're going to hook you up with this deal going forward. We're going to give you 30% off plus whatever whenever you come in. And once they come in, now you got them. Now you got to do your deal. Now you can't have crappy pizza. You can't have crappy whatever. Just because I get you there and you bowl doesn't mean that it's all done. You still have to go over the top to sell your
0: product. Customer service. That has to be the thing. And, and if, we did
1: if you think about it too, the entertainment dollar, if you think about taking a family of four to a yeah. Packer game, to a very game, expensive. to a Bucks game. Even movies. Uh, I, I Yeah. I'm a season movies ticket holder for, for the Packers. And right. for me to take my boys to a game aside to tickets, I could drop five hundred dollars. Easy. Easy. For me to okay. go and take them bowling, I could spend under hundred dollars. Each can bowl three, four games. Yep. We can eat, have a drink, and have a great afternoon. Absolutely right. And I think that's the they should push that a little bit more. Um, as far as the league structure goes, you mentioned something about internships in, in radio. Uh, back in the day, we had the PBA. We yeah. all had uh, Granger, visions of grandeur to go out there and Holman compete Wall and win That's right. And you, you don't have that anymore. I mean, I hate to say it, but bowling is the rod and right. danger field of professional sports. Let me ask you this. I, uh, poor Phil Brolo on hold in Japan. Okay. But, <laughs> uh,
2: but let me ask I you feel- this. At bowling centers on a Sunday afternoon, noon, right? Packers are playing. How many bowling centers do you walk into and see the PBA tour on TVs?
1: Very rarely. I mean, I've actually. And that's had your pr- sport, and I've I actually get, had I mean, Packer games
2: on. Yeah, but but you have all these flat screens on the lanes, right? They don't all have to be on the Packer game. <laughs> Go Packer PBA, Packer PBA, all the way down. And if somebody comes up and complains, too bad. The, look, that's uh, this. We're in a bowling alley that's the best of the best. I got to carry it. There's a Packer TV to your right, and the bowling is to your left. If you don't want to watch bowling, you can watch over here. I'm telling you, I was at his facility in New Berlin four or five years ago, yeah. and I was just having lunch, and they didn't have the bowling app. And I asked. I said, can you please turn it on? Sure, no problem. So they turned it on, and I was watching. And there were a TV group of guys over here. I don't know if they were bowlers or not, but they really weren't paying attention. And it was Belmonte um, was bowling. And all of a sudden, this group of guys started watching. And somebody got mad. I don't know, probably rash. But somebody got <laughs> mad or something, and they all started laughing. Like, dude, that dude's all all getting all crazy or whatever. They watched it all the way to the end and bought another round of drinks to stay. And they were all laughing. Like, we were going to leave, but we're going to watch the end of this. So I don't think they were really bowling fans. I don't think they really knew what they were watching. But they were having fun watching it. And it wasn't even on in the bar. It, it, it gets, I guess, anybody that's there now. But that's what it was back then. I just think there's so many things that can be done and it's just a bunch of people sitting around going, well, it'll work eventually, Mm -hmm. but you've got to spend marketing dollars. You've got to figure out how to have marketing dollars. And if your reason to me is I don't have any money, then you shouldn't own a bowling alley because you have to have a marketing budget every single year. And with all due respect, putting your marketing budget into – as I would call in radio, P1s, which means they're listening to my radio station 24-7. No matter what anybody says on the radio station, they're not going anywhere. That's what you're doing by spending it in bowling publications. You, They know who you are. They're coming to you by this point. That makes no sense. What you need to do is tell the people that don't know who you are or what you do and get them to come into your facility. All right, now I'm, I've preached the whole show. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what this was supposed to be about. Phil Brolo from Japan, if he's still there and not falling asleep on me, he's up next. Welcome in, Castle Light Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky, Fiverr, Dwight Albert. Uh, Being joined now by Phil Brylow on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, live from Japan. Phil, are you still awake?
4: I am still awake. It's uh, approaching 1 a.m. here in Tokyo, but all the action today at Tokyo Port Bowl, uh, enough adrenaline to keep me up for a little while longer. All right, so uh,
2: there's no secret here. This isn't going to be on ESPN or anything, so we could talk about... Uh, who won, and then you'll be able to go back and watch us on extra frame later if you weren't up in the middle of the night. But uh, Dom Barrett, your champion, right?
4: Dom Barrett, 267-204 over Kyle Troop. Uh, Troop started with an early double, Barrett strike spare, and then uh, Barrett fired off an eight-bagger. Troop, uh, a couple of spares, and an open frame in the sixth, and it was pretty much all over uh, by the time Barrett got to the ninth frame.
2: How were the uh, bowling facilities there as far as people showing up and supporting it?
4: Uh, it was Tokyo Port Bowl. It was pretty packed today, no doubt about it. Uh, step letter finals, they had bleachers all the way down the left side of the lanes for about 40 feet that were full three rows deep all the way behind the lanes. It's not a large concourse there. Uh, and the fans supported the bowlers no matter what the nationality. So uh, Shota Kawajima, who's made the Japan Cup finals in the last Three years now. Uh got bumped out by Kyle Troop in the second match. Uh, but even so, you didn't see anybody leave. You didn't see anybody walk out just because the hometown favorite was out of the was out of the competition.
2: How did people react to Kyle Troop?
4: <laughs> they loved it. Uh, he got done when they gave the second place trophy and check presentation. Uh Kyle was posing for pictures, and Kyle he said the froze taking over the world last week on the show. Wasn't kidding, he brought the pick, and he had the fans laughing and having Mm -hmm. a good time and following him, and lots of pictures taken with Kyle Troop once he was done, along with all five players that made the finals, to be honest. I mean, one of the youngest step-player finals we've had in quite a while on the PBA Tour.
2: Was he selling his shirts?
4: He didn't bring any over. Of course not. Why would he? That's another one. I I gave him a little hard time about it. He's got the Twitter account he's working on getting his old account reactivated, he told me, so. Uh, he's getting there. He, he now, get, see that—that that, talk you had with him last week.
2: That is another opportunity. That is something else that <laughs> irritates me. This dude, uh, again, he's got to win. But this dude could be one of the faces of the PBA tour going mm-hmm. forward. He's got a marketing mind in his brain already because he's got his whole fish website or whatever else. He's got shirts, got everything else. But now, his name, right? But now he's worried about seven on the PBA's. Feed, and it, it's like, no, screw the PBA. The PBA will be fine. The more of those shirts walking around, you're promoting their sport because they're promoting you. Don't worry about all this other stuff. you got to take advantage of that. Uh, okay, so Dom Bear, Kyle Troop, uh, uh, who else was in that that, that final TV match?
4: Anthony uh, uh, Anthony Simonson finished third Nice. after losing to Troop in the semifinals. Man, and tro- then Marshall Kent finished fifth. Kyle Rizzoa was fourth.
2: That's a real good TV fight. Run. Troop had to make a run to oh, get I'm, all the way to the championship.
4: I'm, I'm telling you what, for the people that haven't subscribed to Extra Frame yet, spend the three ninety nine, dollars get a three-day subscription, watch the round, watch everything from Japan. These professional players are bowling on 70-year-old wood lanes Yep. that nobody sees anymore, and they're getting fooled by the moves they were making and trying to get smart and, and figure out what was going on. And Don Barrett made the right moves at the right time. He was eighth after the first round of qualifying here on Saturday, made the good move Sunday morning in match play, got himself the first, stayed there, top seed in the stepladder, and took down Kyle Troop, and and Barrett looked solid all the way through. And in the interview I did with him uh, at the end of the event on uh, Japan's version of Extra Frame, uh, Barrett said he loves wood. It's what he grew up bowling on, and when he gets a chance to do it, uh, he he loves getting back to a little bit of the old school feel with with the new school bowling balls and stuff, and He's made some changes to his grip since the World Series of Bowling, and it's working out really well for him. He was coming out of the ball clean and solid all weekend long.
3: Phil, uh, looking at the scores um, that are posted on PBA's website, it it either looks like the guys were lost or either found. I mean, there was quite a difference except for one match between the scores. Is that, again, because of uh, the the wood and, and some of the pros figured it out and some of them didn't?
4: I think what what happened was is that the format this year was a little different from past years because you had 16 PBA players and 32 Japanese players. And so you have old wood, you have a brand-new lane pattern. No one's ever bowled on before with the Dragon 45, that 45-foot pattern, a little different shape than anybody's ever seen before. And it took a while for people to figure it out. And qualifying, scores were really low in qualifying. I mean, when Anthony Simonson was, was leading the tournament averaging 220. That doesn't happen too often on the PBA tour when someone's averaging 222 and leading an event. And so once the field got thinned down a little bit more, you expect the Spurs to go up slightly. It did. And you look at the beginning of the step ladder, you had five guys on the lanes breaking it down correctly. Starts out 278, 257 with Simonson over Kent, 248, 224 over Kawazoa for Simonson. And Kawazoa really could have had a 300 game going into the 10th frame. I mean, a stone eight pin and a wrap ten. Hey, 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 difference.
2: hey! <laughs> what are you doing? You're giving away the whole show. Nobody's even spent the three ninety nine yet. <laughs> shut up! All right, Phil. All right, so hey, man, up. we got we got to run. We're out of time, buddy. Talk to you later. Thanks, Phil, for checking in. I'll see you next. I'll see you next Sunday, sir. You betcha. There he is, Phil Breylo, Extra Frame Back after this. Talking Packers in the break. Almost didn't come back for the rest of the show. Uh, sorry. Uh, that's, that's, that's all right. Uh, we've got a guest here from Corpus Christi, Texas. Sir, you are
0: on the air.
4: Dewey, Gus, JN, Schmitty. Schmitty. Thanks hey. Guys. Hey, uh, boy, it would have been nice to have this kind of promotion around 20 years ago.
2: Well, I, I was trying like 10 years ago, but they wouldn't listen to me. So,
4: What do you guys think is uh, – The thing at Saltridge is this going to help competitive bowling at all or just another boutique
1: salon? Round one entertainment he's talking about. I believe it's going to bring bowlers in, Schmitty. Um, And that's the first step is getting them introduced to the sport for people that haven't uh, done it before uh, to experience what it's like to have fun. And if you can take a a minor percentage of those people and talk to them and and get them involved in competitive bowling, they might enjoy it and uh, go from there.
0: It's going to be structured as entertainment, and then it's our job to turn them into competitive bowlers. Absolutely. Yeah, or I agree with bowlers. Joe. All
2: right, that'll do it for the Castle Lake Spare Time Bowling Show. Enjoy the rest of your morning, and don't forget, uh, the Bucks play the Bulls this afternoon, 2.30. We'll be back on the air. The Milwaukee Bucks pick and save postgame show this afternoon. Toodles!